everyone and welcome to the bedpost podcast i of course am your host aaron pym and what i like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to have conversations about sex and sexuality so today i have a very special guest very excited for this one please welcome to the mic everybody professional dominatrix miss Eris. hello Eris. hello lady pym Eris and Aaron. Eris and Aaron. Yeah, it's pretty good. We sound like a power duo. <laughs> totally. I mean, we've duoed before, so it's perfect. This is true. We're just uh, stepping into all the realms and ways in which we can collaborate, which is so cool. <laughs> totally. This being one of them. I'm very happy to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. Oh, but of course. I think um, we're going to have some good conversations. We had a little bit of like a prep time to uh, for the both of us to like talk about what would be what might be relevant for people what's relevant for you right now and i am very excited about these uh these topics that we came up with here you You did a fantastic job in making sure that the conversation is on brand (laughs) (laughs) how do we feel about that term i don't know i kind of like it i know everybody hates it but like whatever yeah brands right on, and on one end of the spectrum, it's like, I don't want to hear, I don't want to talk about branding ever again. But on the other hand, I'm like very passionate about uh, how I curate my brand. <laughs> yeah, I totally hear you. It's like, it is stressful to be continuously thinking about how our society wants us to commodify ourselves. Yeah. But it's also like, I'm doing a great job at it. So let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, okay, where we wanted to begin this conversation. So, you are, do you want to maybe just introduce yourself real quick to the people um, for, I mean, all those poor, poor, unfortunate souls who have not heard of you yet? <laughs> oh, man, I'm so sorry for all of you, but I'm going to fix that for you now. Um, hello, my name is Miss Harris. I am a professional dominatrix from Toronto, Canada. And my main identity, the identity I move through my life with, is Yasmin. And I have decided to tell the people who I am within all of the realms of my being. I like to focus on wellness domination, which is something that we will get into. Mm -hmm. In my other career life stuff, I am a movement and yoga teacher as well as a writer. I focus mostly on sexuality and gender. My pronouns within my domination space, as well as my regular day-to-day life, are the same, and they are they, them. I am a non-binary human, and if you screw up my pronouns, apologize one time, correct yourself, and and keep yourself accountable. Yeah, and then we've just got to get over it. So, yeah, I guess those are, and I love pickles. (laughs) Do you? Pickles. I love pickles, Aaron. Really? I am. What yes, do you love about so pickles? It, use your like phone <sighs> sexiest phone sex voice and tell me what you love about pickles. 
the saltiness of the brine oh, against no. my taste buds. Oh, no. The feeling of the crunch in my mouth. The Why did I do this to myself? <laughs> of the, do, you, do you not like pickles? Because listen, there are no, two I'm types like... of people in this world. There are people who like pickles and then people who are wrong. Wow. <laughs> I guess I'm wrong then. I can, wow. I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the camp of not liking, not really liking things that are pickly in nature. Wow, give me all that fermented everything. Oh, yeah. I think if it's rotting, I want it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm rotted. I'm gutted and rotted. So, I, I Oh, mean, well, I guess I'll snack on I, you next time then. <laughs> I'm a whole meal, but yes. Go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um what we're doing first, out of the, all the things you just mentioned. Thank you so much for that lovely little intro. Um the main thing we wanted to talk about in the first half of the podcast was being a non-binary dom. Correct? Mm -hmm. Correct, Amanda? That, that is correct. This is awesome um, because I think a lot of people, when they think of a dominatrix, they think of the very stereotypical, like, hyper-femme cis woman, right? Yep. Um, and then on top of that, a lot of other things like being super fit and probably white and non-disabled and, um, on and on and on and young, you know, right in that age that we're supposed to be when we're sexy, like the age, yep. um, all of those things. But most importantly, I, uh, wanted to talk to you about this because I don't think like non-binary dominatrices, um, and doms are super visible. So I definitely wanted to uh, to talk about that. So maybe we can start with, uh, I wanna know like a little bit about your journey in coming out and realizing that you were non-binary. Sure, um, well, from your last point, I actually don't know any other uh, non-binary doms, which is strange, but maybe that'll, maybe that'll change soon but my journey yeah. uh, around my queerness definitely started around my um like my orientation first so i am i consider myself to be bisexual and so that was kind of the catalyst for allowing me to start to get a little bit more curious about my identity i first started using the term non-binary maybe three years ago but people weren't really talking about it yet i didn't have a lot of exposure to it or know a lot of people that were non-binary and so the whole thing kind of confused me and over the last few months thanks to excessive amounts of being inside and having to look at ourselves from all of the different perspectives and getting to know all of our angles i started feeling really uncomfortable within my given identity as a woman i'm afab i was assigned female at birth and it just wasn't working for me anymore and i just felt so dysphoric in my body which is confusing because on the one hand, for example, I can look at my breasts and say, those are beautiful flesh balloons. Yes. And I- <laughs> Those are lovely I, accessories, yeah. Yeah, like those are really fun, but mm -hmm. I wish I didn't have to have them all the time. Mm -hmm. I wish that because of their existence and their prominence on my body, there was a way for people to see them without then assuming who I am. Mm -hmm. And so I decided I was going to fearlessly use this term of being non-binary and come out slowly. At the time I was taking a break off of social media, which was really nice because 
I wasn't relying on constant or um, consistent validation for my identity. And I just had a chance to see how it felt on me. And let me tell you, it feels really fucking good. Feels real good, baby. Feels real good. Love it. Love that for you. And I think that's like, it's kind of interesting that uh, when you when you introduce yourself, you're like, I, you, I'm a non-binary, like in my professional persona, and then also in my personal life. And then also the th- thing that you said about, I don't think I know another non-binary dom, right? So this is kind of interesting uh, that I'm sure there are lots of people that identify as non-binary, but professionally present like cis cis female a hundred percent because there are more opportunities in in that space and I thought that I was going to go that route too originally when I was kind of creating and building my uh dominate my domination persona I thought that it was going to be an opportunity for me to play the fantasy of femininity and that it was going to feel really comfortable for me to say no like my my dominatrix being is a woman and I want to be hyper femme. I want to be all those stereotypical things. And I tried it for like five minutes and I, I hated it so much. It felt like really uncomfortable for me, but I don't have judgment for people who don't feel comfortable or don't feel like they're going to have access to clients or opportunities if they pull their real identity into their professional space, because, because like, we got to make money. It's, it's work, right? So if some people choose that, you know, that it's going to be easier, I'll get more clients this way, uh, whatever their particular reasons are. Um, maybe they just don't want to have to have that conversation all the time of like, Hey, my pronouns are actually they, them. And I don't use, you know, this honorific. I use this honorific because I'm non-binary. You know what I mean? Like, Maybe it's just emotional labor. I'm sure it could be lots of reasons why one person would choose to do that. Yeah. So I decided I'm going to make my life always complicated and I'm going to (laughs) have I'm going to have this pronoun conversation 17 times a day, which I literally do. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Like, so, yeah. What does what does being non binary feel like to you, if I may ask? Hmm. For me, being non-binary grants me the space to be continuously exploring. It it allows me to exist in a state of constant creation without the pressure to ever arrive or decide who I am. It nice. It's like a playground for me. It allows me to create who I am every day. And I really, I love that for myself, the freedom and the liberation that it has given me outside of what's expected and the binary and societal pressure and it allows me to be me yeah that's really lovely and that can be anywhere on the spectrum on a given day Uh uh-huh totally can um i mean i i know some people are non-binary and they'll say you know like i lean more towards this or i lean more towards that or people that are like I'm right smack in the middle, but even to me, that kind of languaging suggests that there is still some sort of a binary or some sort of like a starting point and an ending point. I guess perhaps I lean towards more of being genderless than being both genders. Right. 
um, because, e again, even that idea of there being two genders or both genders is wrong, in my opinion. I mean, there are brain, so many cult yeah. yeah, it just doesn't compute. Like, we know that there are so many cultures that allow space for many other types of gender, and Western society doesn't have that. And so this is, this is what feels comfy for me. This is where I feel safe and seen. Yeah. And again, for people who are, like, a little unfamiliar with, like, folks who are non-binary like another I feel like one of the uh, misconceptions I was like searching for the word one of the misconceptions is that like non-binary non-binary folks appear androgynous yeah oh I can really go off about this <laughs> I'm sure you can which is why I mentioned like and this you know when you're like oh yeah I can choose how I want to present you know on any given day because that could appear a feminine or that could appear androgynous or that could appear wherever on the spectrum or, you know, just throwing out those ideas altogether. It doesn't mean that um, you're always going to present that with that like androgynous look. Totally. Um, I think that the, the assumption that non-binary people are going to look androgynous or the expectation that cis people or the rest of society places on trans and non-binary people to look androgynous is a way for those that don't have the experience of gender questioning in their own bodies a chance to better understand or compute what it is that they're saying. By that I mean if you see somebody that looks genderless or whatever, it's easier to respect their pronouns of they them because you're not seeing, you know, stereotypical feminine or masculine things that might confuse your ability to uh, use, use the, the proper right pronoun. pronouns yeah but like we need to step away from that we need to stop seeing certain attributes or certain clothing items or accessories as being yeah. for men or for women and so it's not a fair expectation it's also not fair for people to argue that oh you know you look super feminine right now and so that's why i wasn't able to remember that your pronouns are they them like it has nothing to do with what i look like i can be in a full gown and be non-binary. I can be in a suit and be non-binary. I can be naked and be non-binary. It has nothing to do with what I'm wearing and your issue shouldn't be in trying to wrap your head around it to understand it. All you need to do is respect it. That's it. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get it. All you need to do is listen when I tell you my fucking pronouns. Just listen to me. Just listen. Exactly. <laughs> it seems so easy really, but I mean... I've even been in a session duoing with you where you get misgendered, where you've gotten misgendered, where we've had the conversation beforehand with the client where, where we're like, listen, Miss Harris is a non-binary queer dominatrix who uses the pronouns they, them, um, and uses the honorific mistress. That's it. That's yeah. all you need to remember. That's all you need to know. And then it still happens, right? We'll see about that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I want to use that honorific anymore and I think oh, I yeah? want to drop miss from my title it, tell me about that because uh, you did start wanting it. to you did start with wanting to use mistress right at one time yeah. that did work for you how you felt yeah um but I guess it's making it it's making having the conversation happen a lot more often and I don't want to have to explain myself that many times. There you and go. So, Another, that, uh, that thing again with emotional labor, right? It's like yeah, the it decisions really you have to make around your mistress identity or dominatrix identity are, are affecting are directly affecting how much emotional labor you have to put into this. 
Exactly. So I think I'm just going to refer to myself as Eris. Okay. And maybe I don't need an honorific. Maybe you just refer to me as my name. There you go. And, you know, maybe that's it. And it's so strange because, you know, there is this desire within me to fit somehow within the, like, pre-existing structure of what being a dominatrix is. And there are, like, certain rules and protocols that I feel like have been established and you know if you want to be a professional like you have to use these things but like I like like we've both said there aren't any non-binary dominatrices that either of us know of so I don't know what they're doing so that just means I have to just make it up I guess and so exactly because like a lot of terminology everywhere it's all gendered like for honorifics for for doms right so, so should I just come up with a new one? Yeah, you got to just make up a word because like, what do we have? We have like, you know, a lot of guys use master, I guess. Um, mistress is what a lot of femmes use. Um, domina is also feminine. Miss is used a lot. Um, M-I-S-S. Like, yeah, I'm trying to think like, are there... Even the word dom, it's like D-O-M for masculine, D-O-M-M-E for feminine. So it's like... Yeah, I hate all of this. Yes, exactly. It's really hard to get away from it unless you create your own. Which which I have. I have. Um, I do have friends who do, you know, DS Dynamics, who do use words other than all of that stuff. Like I know a couple of people that use words that are essentially made up, which I love. I love to hear about that. Mm. so okay maybe maybe in the future yeah if any of you listening are really good with words and there is something that you think would look and sound good in your mouth before the name heiress please let me know yeah love that okay great so the so there we have it the uh, title of this episode is just going to be heiress (laughs) perfect love it perfect so okay i liked um i like that we've already basically started the conversation of like how being queer, being non-binary affects the way people see you in your professional dom persona. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about as far as that goes? How people, how people have been coming at you about your non-binaryness? I mean, thankfully within the profession so far, nobody's like fought me on it or argued me on it the way that it has existed in my day-to-day life and maybe it, thankfully that has something to do with the power dynamic that already exists where right. you know submissives shouldn't feel like they can come at me with questions like that yeah. um, or assumptions like that so I mean no we're just everything everything's okay everything's <laughs> fine um, I mean I think that pretty much covers it to be honest amazing um, for you, how does being queer and non-binary affect the way you approach dominance? Does it at all? Maybe mm. it fucking doesn't at all. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I definitely think that it does because it, it, it changes the way that I see the world. It changes the way that I see myself. So, of course, it's going to change the way in which I interact with other people. And so when working with others, I definitely right away want to get a sense of where they want to feel in terms of their gender expression or their gender identity. There's a lot of talking about it with all of my clients because it's important to me and I want it to be important to you too. And a lot of what my clients recently have been reaching out to me for is for feminization and sissification. Yeah, gender play. Yeah, lots of gender play, which I'm super comfortable with, but only from an empowering place. I am not the dom 
that you are going to come to if you want to be feminized and then degraded for it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't do it because it goes against all of the work that I've done around embracing my own femininity and all that stuff. So if you want to have an experience of, you know, embodying stereotypical feminine qualities and feminine dress and feel powerful because of it and start to undo all of the gendered narratives we have around what women are capable of or what is expected of men like that's what you come to me for and so because of that influence I think that it definitely changes the kind of work that I do because it makes some kind of play a lot more meaningful for me and it creates a lot of really intense boundaries for me around the kinds of things that I'm not willing to do yeah are there any other types of play where you see your unique the way like your unique view of gender other than gender play I mean it kind of feeds into everything like every time that we're doing any type of play like I said like it's going to be present in everything that we do because we're not going to be existing within the binary we're going to be talking about ways in which this can be you know exciting and meaningful or sexy or whatever without having to be super masculine or super feminine it's just it's everywhere it changes it's gonna working with me versus with a cisgendered person is going to be a different experience yeah when you think about it our like our culture is just seeped in gendered terminology imagery like on and on and on so I can imagine it being quite refreshing to like do a session with you and see what it looks like to be in a space where that doesn't exist. Hmm. You'll have to try it for yourself sometime. I guess I will. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, um, talking about this, this half of the uh, pod where we're going to talk about non-binary and being queer dom. One last question is if you had some advice for little baby and Bieris, what would it be? Mm, <laughs> I love thinking about baby Eris. I love really? thinking about baby. Yeah, I, I think about my baby self often. Um, and like myself through the ages and kind of like find love for all the different phases of myself and it's very sweet and tender and intimate and so I do a lot of this work often and when I was journaling a couple of days ago I kind of had this moment where I was like I don't have any advice for myself I don't want to I don't want to change anything that I've done and if there's only one thing I would say to myself it's you're going to be just fine yeah I don't I don't need to tell you I don't need to tell you that you need to do anything differently because I don't really have any regrets. Like, of course, my heart has been broken. Of course, I've I've hurt people and I've made mistakes within this line of work and outside of it. But I'm so happy with where I end up. And I just want them to to take their time and just arrive when they get there because I know that they do. Yeah. And you proof. Yeah, it's less that I feel inclined to give a younger version of myself advice than I am to just communicate with them and make them feel loved. So when I speak to a younger version of myself, I'll, you know, do a visualization exercise or something where I can really see myself at a different stage and I just 
love them and I compliment them and I challenge some of their beliefs and I just make space to look at them and give them the love that perhaps at that time they didn't have. Um, it's more just spending time with myself than it is to try and convince myself to do things differently. That's so lovely. <laughs> like that's a session right there. That's a cool, a really cool either, you know, partnered or with, with you as a professional or like a, like a solo scene you can do for yourself with yourself. Like, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. And I mean, it's funny that you say that because a lot of the like self exploration or like self healing, whatever you want to call it work that I've been doing <laughs> recently has been super kinky in the sense that I have kind of decided that I'm I'm self-coloring myself yeah, and that sometimes yeah. yeah it's very new to me but I, I'm really enjoying it and allowing myself to kind of be split into multiple personas one in where one can kind of carry the other yeah. and it's really beautiful and it's a wonderful practice whether kinky or not to kind of feel like okay I have certain strengths that I can employ to help carry the weight of the parts of me that are maybe a little bit weaker or a little bit sadder or a little bit or that are struggling and that I can kind of assign different things to different parts of myself and that it's not that you are completely incapable of a thing that you set out to do but maybe there are parts of you that are better equipped to do it than others yep. and so through the process of self-collaring when I decided that I wanted to dom myself, it's not that I'm doming my entire being. I'm doming certain parts of myself that could benefit from a helping hand or could benefit from some extra accountability or love. You know what I mean? Totally. Like that's actually, um, I haven't self-colored, but that sounds really similar to the way I approach and I think of myself as a switch that can be in real time, like while I'm dominating, um, can be simultaneously like listening to myself and nurturing that part of myself that needs to be dominated in that way. Like even like in a scene with someone else or like I have a couple ongoing dynamics with people, but, um, I, I think I can kind of do that in a really unique and special way where I'm like, oh, like I do regular check-ins with this person as a dom, as a wellness type dom. Um, but that's also a check-in for me. Um, it's doing the exact same things for me that it is for that person, essentially. Unique, but but similar, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. um, and it, it feels like every week when I do a check-in with them as a dom, that's also like, a weekly check-in for me as a sub um, and what I need to be doing, you know, to stay like mindful and present and all the things we work on um, in our consults. That's really interesting that you approach coloring, self-coloring that way. Love that. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And I, I love hearing about how kind of like kind and compassionate your whole process is and the fact that you've made it very clear in that last statement that you do what you do, yes, because it's going to benefit, you know, your submissive or whoever it is that you're working with or playing with, but because you're also providing them with the things that make sense for you and resonate with you. And I think yeah. that's really, really wonderful. Yeah. And I think I, I'd like to think I attract clients um, that have really like um, interests, you know, to me. So I think it, it ends up working out like, yeah, I've done sessions too, where I'm just like, you know, 
it's a different kind of domination. But right. I, I think I think, you know, all the people I kind of have ongoing dynamics with are really similar to my own like needs, desires, you know, so it all works out very well where it's all mutually beneficial, you know? Yeah, I love that. Support for the Bedpost Podcast is brought to you today by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. So big news on the Manscaped front. They have just launched in Canada. So for those listeners who live here where I live, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. And I mean, they ship me a bunch of things. The trimmer, I'm absolutely in love with. It's the Lawnmower 3.0, and it features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium, they mean premium. So the battery lasts up to 90 minutes, so you can have a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower if you so choose. And they have a little LED light which illuminates the grooming area for a closer and more precise trimming. There's an upgraded motor, and they have this awesome charging stand. And if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, one word, at manscaped.com. I know you're all trying to think of like what to get people uh, for Christmas because we all have to shop online and you want it to arrive in time. So why don't you just head over to manscaped.com. You'll get 20% off and free shipping if you use the code BEDPOST. So go do it. It's time to shave those balls and the balls of your loved ones. Bye. Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at comeasyouare.com. So, okay. We want to... This was actually a good segue, because our second half (laughs) of the pod, we want to talk about wellness domination. And then also, BS wellness domination. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, should I bash it first or should I love it first? What note do we want to end on here? (laughs) Maybe a light note. Maybe we'll do the bashing first. Love this. Okay, yeah. Because we also had, we had a bit of an intro just with what we were talking about. But okay, you in your like regular non-domination, non-kink life are involved in wellness. So you've got a lot of opinions on wellness, both in a domination context and without a domination context so i love this 
Um, maybe we'll start actually though, introducing people with like your personal wellness journey. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's get um, so do I had, you know, a quarter life crisis at the ripe age of 19 or something. Ripe old age. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to die at 80. Yeah. Yeah. I did the or whole 76. thing. Or 76. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I did the whole thing where I like, dropped out of school, quit my job, left my relationship, and decided I was going to go find myself in Thailand, as one does at that age. But of course. And I ended up doing 700 hours worth of yoga teacher training over the course of three months. So it was this very like immersive experience. And it was my first opportunity with like developing my own spiritual practice and finding myself in that way. And I really loved it. And so I came back home from that experience and decided that I was going to devote my life to wellness. And it was, you know, only a couple years after that that I realized how shitty so much of that world is and how so much of the industry is just bullshit. Let me tell you why. Please. So within, let's say, yoga, which is what I've been trained in, because we've essentially stolen uh, a set of practices from Eastern cultures, the way that it gets commercialized here, lineages aren't recognizes. And there is no sense of respect. Like the way that these practices are meant to be passed down is from teacher to student, teacher to student. And there isn't supposed to be, it's not, it wasn't supposed to become this like multi-billion dollar industry, right. but it has. And unfortunately, my perspective on it now is that this idea of needing to heal yourself and needing to be really like deeply involved in your own like wellness, it perpetuates this idea that you always need to be working on something or healing something, which because it's within the field of capitalism, it means that you always need to be buying another program or buying another product. And a lot of how practitioners or programs or whatever get you to buy into this is it relies on pseudoscience and it makes these really intense claims and promises about how this is going to heal you or make you better. And when you don't see those results, when you don't see the same results that these shitty before and afters are preaching, you feel like there's something wrong with you. And I hate that. And every symptom, it tells you that every symptom that you has have has a solution that right. can be tied to finding the right practitioner. And it's just become a downright, upright, downright? Is it up or down? Sideways. Upside <laughs> it's down. become a sideways <laughs> obsession for a lot of people. And I, this has been a really uncomfortable thing to realize because it put me face to face with, oh my God, I've spent the last, you know, few years of my life dedicating myself to this kind of work and I hate it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what do I do? And then I just realized that, oh, it's okay. I can hate certain parts of this thing, but I can also really work on educating myself around how I can show up in this space without it feeling super shitty. And that's not to say that I'm totally right in the way that I practice things, but I really try my best to you know, like I said, oh, did I just say breast? Yeah, baby. <laughs> I really try my tits to be <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as respectful as I can and to, you know, 
not make any promises to people that like working with me is going to fix you or any way in any way because it's yeah. probably not if anything i'm just going to expose you to more of your shit and there's going to be more to work on <laughs> sorry to say it but um my biggest problem with the spiritual and wellness community is that it preaches neutrality or this idea that there is no uh space for negativity that that phrase of good vibes only and yeah, like toxic uh, toxic positivity toxic right? positivity it's called yeah. spiritual bypassing and okay. there is this idea that everything is a personal responsibility and that everybody needs to kind of fend and care for themselves but that doesn't bring in enough account for um like systemic issues and that like not everybody has access to these things and oh, i hate so much of it Tell us how you really feel, though. Um. <laughs> Was that not enough for you? <laughs> so, okay. Then how does wellness, how is wellness like incorporated into your kink practice then? So even though I just said that I hate a lot of it, <laughs> there, there is a lot of space within some of these practices and some of these ideas that really does give you an opportunity to connect to yourself and love yourself and find all of those dark kind of shadowy corners that just want to come out and play but haven't felt the space to do that before so when i see myself as a dom i really consider myself to be more of like a sensual loving powerful figure as opposed to somebody who wants to humiliate you or degrade you and like you mentioned earlier you know there are some scenes that you kind of participate in that maybe aren't like your 100% that's not what you would want but you can still engage with them because you're a professional and you can still get some enjoyment out of it I'm an actress I'm a chameleon exactly you can't you have a theater background like you're good at what you do yeah I can I can service multiple needs (laughs) right so like I can also participate in scenes like that for people who really want it sure but what I feel the most drawn to is creating a super safe space and getting you to breathe and like guiding you through the breath work that I'm trained in or getting you to drop into your body as a way to enter into your subspace, getting you out of the thoughts of your mind and into a more embodied being to discover pleasure from a different perspective and to find a way that power can be all encompassing, but also like seeped in like respect Mm. and And I really get off on that. I really like, I want to, you know, maybe hit you and tell you that you're doing a great job getting it. And then I'm going to stroke your hair after and I'm going to tell you how strong you are and how proud I am and things like that. And I love that. Yeah. I I have no desire to be your therapist because I'm not, but -hmm. I can play at that role within a consensual space. We can play at the idea that I am. Uh, a paternal or a maternal figure who knows what's best for you and I really really like that yeah I like I love that you're um uh discerning between like I know what's best for you and in the scene I can you know the role play is that I know what's best for you because those are two very different things like there's a that's a really good distinction to make especially as a professional because I like I think we have a similar kind of like core values for our practice so those are scenes that I'm like involved in on the regular as well but it's like 
when you are doing a professional session with somebody who you do not know barely at all, uh, I as the dominant, as the professional, couldn't possibly know what's best for you yet. You know what I mean? But in the context of a scene or, you know, some DS dynamic role play, we can mutually decide on a few things and we can definitely engage that kind of maternal, again, with these gendered words, right? Maternal, paternal, parental, maybe caregiver, caregiver, you know, type vibe. Um, And if those are salient phrases that you really like to hear, um, you know, like mama knows what's best and stuff like that. Um, we can definitely elicit those vibes and feelings, but that's very different from me walking into a space and just making the assumption that I actually know what's best for you because I don't, and I couldn't possibly, um, you know, unless it's an ongoing dynamic where we're learning and learning and learning about each other. So I really like how you brought that up. Thanks. Yeah, I have no desire to have people think that I that I actually should be running their lives because do you know how expensive that would be, first of all, for me Fair. to actually do that for you? It would require you to buy me out of my ethics. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's just expensive as shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love that. So, okay, how can we then... Just like you're saying, um, okay, there are a lot of like toxic things about the culture of like wellness. And even like as far as wellness domination goes, I see a lot of toxic shit in there as well. Like, how can we engage in the things that are really going to be, you know, mutually beneficial and helpful to the participants and like avoiding kind of the toxic elements of wellness culture? Well, I think the conversation we just had is definitely step one in making sure that you as a practitioner and also you as a client are aware of the boundaries that need to exist or the impossibility for this person to actually take over your life and be and be the therapist or be the parent or be whatever it is that you in a scene want them to be outside of that. Like it's just not right. Mm. And so being able to have that discernment, like you said, I think is super important. Um, But I'm curious, in order for me to better answer this question, what kind of toxic, um, what do you see within the industry that you consider to be problematic? I think um, a lack of like deep work and analytical work. Um, I think a lack of self-awareness, just basically what you just mentioned on both the provider and the client. Um, Toxic positivity for sure is a thing. Um, going through the motions uh, rather than like cut up custom catering the play and the dynamic to the people involved. Um, well, doing... Jesus, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. T- how long do you got? Um... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, all those things, essentially just like not doing the work, I think. Okay. Well, thanks for clearing that up. I, I know how to better answer this question. Now. Great. <laughs> um, you have to have a personal experience with the work that you're asking your client to do. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. It needs to be a part of your personal practice. Even if I'm pretending to know what's best for you, I have to actually know what that practice feels like in my own body in order to best regulate based on your reactions. Mm-hmm. Like some of this stuff is if you're working 
breath work with someone and you're getting someone to hold a really intense breath retention and you're telling them that they're, they can't take another breath in yet and you don't have an experience with how that actually feels in your body, you can hurt somebody. Totally. And it's the same with doing like emotional work. If you know you're doing like a play therapy session and you're bringing someone to the depths without staying present enough to see how they're responding, you can really hurt somebody. And totally. catering the experience, I mean, come on, like, obviously, we're, like, you, you got to actually figure out what it is that this person wants and what they need from you. So, I mean, I have like a super extensive form that I get people to kind of go through if they want specifically wellness domination, because I want to figure out really like, where do you want to go? How do you want to feel? What are the boundaries? What are the limitations? And then I create a totally customized experience that I can't just do with anybody else. Of course, I have like a big toolkit of things that I can draw from, but the experience is going to be totally individual because you're an individual and I want to make sure that your needs feel met. And yeah, yeah, I'd say that obviously aftercare is a huge, huge part of this, but the pre-care is also super important. Yeah. And so so just do those things and i think it's interesting because there's a fine line between like wellness domination as a professional in a professional context and then the fact that like i'm not a therapist i'm not a licensed therapist i'm not you know a doctor i am not for me you know i'm not a yoga expert i'm not like all these things so it's like as you mentioned it's potentially dangerous play so for folks to be entering wellness domination without, you know, having wellness, like a really defined wellness practice for themselves, like not a professional one, just like, you know, an, an invested interest in their own wellness. And it, it can be really scary because anybody can just be like, I'm a wellness dom on the Internet book me and I'll manage your mental health. Like that's scary shit. Yeah. I hope that you've never actually seen that languaging before because that goes back into what we were talking about at the start of this half when I was telling you why the wellness industry is problematic. It's because it makes big claims like that. Yeah. And so even within a play space, are you saying you're going to fix their mental health problems as like their sub persona or like actually in their real life. And I think even both are kind of pro- like, I mean, maybe yeah. you could play at that. And at the end of the scene, you know, the sub can be like, you fixed me. Thank you, therapist, role play therapist. And then scene I feel ends much better you- now. <laughs> yeah. And then the scene ends and you're like, I'm still fucked up, but that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's consensual, then perfect. If that's yeah. what you want out of that scene, then great. But it's risky business quite frankly. Like I just taught a a two and a half hour class on wellness domination. And my main thing like that I preloaded was like, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a therapist. You know, I'm not all these things. I consulted with like 10 different professionals on this from like play therapist to board certified sexologist to behavior analyst on and on and on. But like, I'm not like a dom can't be expected to be qualified in all these different ways um like like your wellness dom can't expect it to be your therapist your you know meditative leader your 
yoga instructor, uh, you know, on and on and on. Your your nutritionist, your like wherever it might go, um, your fitness expert. Well, you saying all those categories maybe makes it more obvious that to say you're a wellness dom means that you need to get really specific about what areas you actually feel adequate enough to help somebody in. Mm-hmm. So like for my own practice, I can definitely help and assist clients who want to figure out how to make space for themselves, how to make time within a daily practice to actually practice so in terms of accountability and scheduling. People who want to learn how to meditate, people who want to learn how to practice mindfulness, who want some sort of physical yoga practice, a breathing practice. I can't be your nutritionist. I'm not a trained nutritionist and nutrition is actually something that I struggle with in my own daily life. And so if somebody comes to me and says, you know, I want to feel this, 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 and this, and nutrition is part of that, I'll have to say, you know, I can't provide that for you. Uh, Here is another practitioner that you can go to specifically for that, or we can explore scenes that don't have that. But I can't pretend that I know everything because wellness is a huge, it's a huge sphere. Yes, totally. Who do you think can benefit from wellness domination? Is that like too big of a question? I mean, it's kind of big because I'm almost inclined to say everybody because the way that I look at it, wellness domination is just somebody encouraging you to take good care of yourself. Yeah. And I think everybody could benefit from taking good care of themselves. And if you need an extra little voice in your head that's holding you accountable, then exactly we're I think here for, for a lot you of, totally like for here's a lot our of people, professional email <laughs> yes if you want me to listen to you here's how much it's going to cost but um like it's i think that a lot of people would really enjoy this type of work either as a long-term practice or as something to kind of get them started for themselves yeah. you know like i i would hate to think that somebody feels only capable of talking to themselves nicely when I'm the one holding the mirror up to them, telling them what to say. Yeah, you want to give them the tools so that they eventually don't need to hire you on quite such a regular basis, you know? It's like, I'm I'm very glad that our jobs exist, but also it's like, I want to be in a, I want to see a world where people don't, uh, eventually don't need, yeah, as you said, like me over your shoulder, telling you, good boy. (laughs) Yeah, or if, you know, you want to do it as a sometimes treat thing because you're doing it for yourself already, that would make me so happy. I mean, yeah, there are lots of reasons people hire professional, like, like service providers. But um, yeah, in that way of like the need to regulate their life on a consistent basis, it's like, well, I would love to see you, you know, break out of that little cocoon and (laughs) fly butterfly, you know. Totally. Like I'm not in the business and it doesn't sound like you are either in of one that creates dependency. Yeah. Dependency or like enabling, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whew. That was, that was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) There are huge topics. And again, like another reason why you need to put in a lot of work and thought before, you know, getting into wellness domination and even from the client side, right. Or the sub side, um, approaching a dom for wellness reasons. You got to do your research. What do you think are, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say uh, on that thought, like what, how do you think maybe a sub or a, a client could like vet their... I was just going to ask you this. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
great minds great minds yeah yeah um what do you think and then i'll say mine (laughs) well i mean i almost want to say how much of a sense can you get that they practice this in their own lives but it's challenging because not everybody is putting their personal life out onto the internet underneath their dom stuff right exactly so like for me now that i'm super public like you can really see what i'm doing all the time and how i treat myself and how i practice and whatever but i think maybe reading testimonials getting a sense of what other people are saying about this person would be really really important and making sure that they have some sort of like intake process and then they're not just agreeing to take you on and you haven't really told them what it is that you're looking for yet or what it is that you want somebody who's not telling you what their aftercare protocol looks like somebody who's not telling you that you have space to set boundaries and things like that those are all obviously red flags i say obviously but maybe it's not yeah maybe not for people i mean there are some i mean we've all encountered the people that are just like just so desperate (laughs) and they just don't care they don't like they have blinders on to all of those red flags you know and they'll just send money to anyone like and just get scammed so bad yeah that's terrible it happens all the time (laughs) take a deep breath pleasure is coming your way yeah but you gotta you gotta do a little bit of work first babe sorry yeah, Google image search those images. Make sure you at least know that you're talking to the person who's in the fucking picture. <laughs> oh, well, geez. Yeah, like I haven't been, <sighs> people haven't been stealing my photos. Yeah, I know yet, that you've been dealing yet, with a little bit yet. of this. <laughs> Please. Yet. Okay, if there's one, I know we don't want to talk about giving advice to BB versions of ourselves. However, please, Eris, start water- watermarking your pics now. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. That's all I want <laughs> for you. That's all I want for you. No, you're totally right. It is. Like, also, I was the one when we were starting, when I was starting out professionally, thinking that I didn't need to and that I would never need to. Um, and that and that I actually, like, looked at watermark pics and I was like, nah, it kind of ruins it for me and blah, 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 and had my own opinions on, like, watermarking. But, oh, lordy. Two and a half years later, I'm like, I have to literally delete, like, everything that exists of me on the internet, which is impossible. So you can imagine the struggle. But anyways, <laughs> enough, wow. enough ranting about that. But yeah, I, I agree. I'm kind of also, like, in a unique position where my, you know, my Aaron life and my Lady Pym life are very much, for the most part like integrated right so people can find a lot about me if they want to <laughs> like like 265 episodes worth of my podcast <laughs> right and a patreon and on and on and on right but i don't know for most for most people i'm like my main advice is like you know follow them on whatever social media they use the most frequently and you can get I think you can get a pretty good sense of what you're getting into, you know. Most professionals do put some good time and energy into whatever social media of choice that they choose to advertise on. I think you can get a really good idea looking through, like, their Twitter feed, for example. Even though, as you said, it is curated, can be really curated, but... I think you can get, like, trust your instinct on it. You know what I mean? Because I think you can get a good feeling from someone. 
Yeah, totally. I definitely think that you can. So yeah, just like what, what can you find out about this person? Look yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs> find it. Don't Ask just, some questions. Don't just send a thousand dollars. Unless it's coming to me or Aaron, because then, yes, then, then you'll probably be fine. Send all you want. <laughs> send all your money. <sighs> Do you have, because we are, we're approaching, you know, when we should be wrapping it up, but do you have any last thoughts that we didn't touch on as far as wellness goes or anything else, even in the first half that we might have skipped that you wanted to mention? I've said all the things, all of them, all and more. I think we really touched on a lot. I'm fully satisfied with <gasps> You're sufficiently suffocated. What was that word? Suffocated. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> I think I say it because it's a reference from a movie, but I'm almost sure it's an actual word. I'm like, is that the made up word that I'm going to be calling myself? Saphonsified heiress. Saphonsified heiress. <laughs> and if you can't pronounce it right, I'm not working with you. <laughs> Love it. It's just <sighs> another layer of emotional labor. Of like, <laughs> Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so you've got to <laughs> hound I don't... people about no, 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 I don't want it. I have to, no, I don't want it. But yeah, I think this was great. I mean. Oh, wait, another thing that we wanted to, maybe we should have front loaded this, but I know it was important for you to tell people that you're, well, I want, I want you to put it in your words, but how I feel about my domination basically is like, I recoil at anybody calling me like an expert or, you know, like a master in my field, because I don't feel like that's possible. Um, because kink and BDSM is like such a broad and nuanced topic. I'm like, I'm not the authority on anything. And please do not treat me that way. Like I have lots of lived experience. I do and can speak from that. But, um, like recently I, I had a big article written about me that I proofread and I actually was like, please don't call me an expert. Like take that out. I, I like luckily got to see it before it, um, it went out and I got to kind of edit around a lot of that, but I know you feel similarly about you as a dominatrix or as a dom, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much of it though is feeling like shy about it and being like, no, I don't want to be considered like this thing that I'm actually really good at. But I think for the most part, it is just, I don't want to be perpetuating the idea that like you can never arrive at the place of knowing everything because I really I'm not even close like yeah. I'm really just trying to figure it all out and I, I want to stay transparent I really don't want to make people feel either like people who, like colleagues or people that want to work with me that I somehow am going to be the answer to all of their questions or yeah. the the provider for all of your desires because I I'm not going to be I can't be yeah and I think that it's important for us to maybe work on not idolizing. Mm, and romanticizing, yes. Yeah, kind of like applying more of like a critical lens and allowing people to be humans. Because when people start seeing you as an expert, when you then inevitably as a human flub up or yep. make a mistake, should that take away from somebody's entire perspective of you? It doesn't allow room for error. 
And I think that that's a problem. It's yeah. like the, the guru complex within the wellness industry as well is that same idea. It's like, mm -hmm. is there a way to separate the teachings from the teacher? Is there a way to appreciate somebody's craft without attaching it to their whole identity? Like I need to stay a human. No, that's great. That's a really good, that's funny how it's like, yeah, guru complex, because that's like in the sex work world, that's like the dominatrix complex, right? Mm. Where were these like things on a pedestal, um, pedestal, <laughs> pedestal, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a scat dom, I swear. Um, and <laughs> neither am I, neither am I. <laughs> But you know what I mean? We're seen as these like untouchable, all knowing, all powerful things. And it's like, well, okay, that's fun to do in a scene to play up. But also, I'm human and, you know, trust your instincts around doms because they don't know everything. And you shouldn't just blindly put all your trust and faith in a person that you don't know at all, but calls themselves a dominatrix. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. That's a really great question. I'm glad you asked it. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I remembered like, it wasn't in the questions that we kind of came up with. But I remembered when we were first starting up about starting to talk about having you on here, you were like, wanting to definitely let the people know that. So, Eris, where yes. can people throw money your way, book sessions, inquire about you and follow you? On, on the line. <laughs> you can find everything at MissAris.com. Jeez, I need to change my domain. I know. Rebranding's a bitch. Shit. Okay, well, for now, I'm Miss Aris. You're just going to deal with it and whatever. We'll uh, figure so, it out later. <laughs> so the spelling is, do you have a pen handy? Write this down. It's M-S-A-E-R-Y-S.com. And from there, you can find all of the links to my social platforms like Instagram, Twitter, OnlyFans, because I started that up. Hell yeah. And you can book sessions through there. You can book consultations through there as like a pre-session or just to ask me questions. Um, you can find all the things that I like to be spoiled with, a little bit about my ethos and my personality and all those things. Please do not DM me. Please practice good online etiquette check your goddamn Please. spelling yeah and yeah you can find me there amazing <laughs> check your goddamn spelling i love that that's the last note to leave us on i love that check your goddamn spelling <laughs> come on don't you want to impress me <laughs> right <laughs> amazing so yes for me i am at the lady pim one on twitter I'm the Lady Pim on Instagram for Bedpost. I am at the Bedpost Podcast on Instagram. We have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the Bedpost Show. Lots of fun, sexy content on there as well. Talking about merging my Dom self and my podcasting self. There's both on there, so have fun. And if you would like to email me about anything podcast related, you can do so at thebedpostsexshow at gmail.com anything domination related you can do so at ladypim at protonmail.com and then the last i always like to thank the lovely lady who has done all the original music for my podcast her name is stephanie copeland and thank you to you Eris. this has been a lovely conversation always lovely to sit down and chat with you mm, 
Likewise, Erin. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. And um, thank you to you for listening. We'll see you next time with another fun and sexy guest here in the studio talking about sex and sexuality. Bye. (laughs) Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.